the Avalade wine that Cameron Diaz and Catherine Power did at Target, I drank a whole bottle okay. of it and didn't have a hangover. Oh, so, good to and, know. And it was rosé, which you and I both have a interesting relationship with rosé in that we don't hate it or like it. Like it's, I've never been more neutral it on a beverage, is, but I never, yeah. like I just never, I mean, I want it. I don't know how to explain my feeling no. with rosé. You just like wine and if that's I like what's wine, ordered, you're yes. like, okay, but you're not going to pick it. No, like yeah. if I'm getting a glass of wine now at my age, not like at my age, but like now it's, I'm less likely to order rosé because I'll just like stick with my whites. Like I'm a white bitch. Like I'll just mm-hmm. drink those white wines. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I wanted to try their new brand that they did and they only had rosé and I was like, well, whatever. And then last night when I was watching Insecure, I was like, well, I'll have a glass of it. And then I was like, shit, this is good. It wasn't that expensive. Mm. And I woke up this morning and felt totally fine. That's amazing. So, Truly amazing. Hot tip. Oh, I thought you were um, giving me a hot tip. I was like, yes. No, no, no. <laughs> I was saying that is a hot tip for me. Yeah. Just <laughs> or for the, our listeners. The the bottle is like really like aesthetically pleasing and it's like the perfect Ooh. price range. It's like a, probably a little high to give to someone. It's like 14, but it, mm. it rivals the Miraval taste, but it's like $7 less. Because mm. again, well, we do like that. Our thing with rosé is it either tastes bad or it all tastes the same. I don't know a good rosé. I mean, I really <laughs> think all rosé tastes the same unless it tastes too much like sugar water, in which yes. case that's just like a no. Right, um, right. It comes but out yeah, like a- I mean, rosé, if you're trying to impress me with a wine, don't give me a rosé. Like, no. sorry to take the French opinion of this, but like, rosé is very whatever. What's good about it is that it, as long as it's not too sweet, it can be like, if it's cold, it can be equally as refreshing as a white. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what you're ordering for dinner, sometimes that's why I'll get rosé because I'm like, well, if we're going to do food, I don't, I don't really know what, like, like a rosé will just, cause some whites like are, I don't know. I don't always vibe with the whites. I'm a little afraid sometimes. So with the rosé, I know it's going to be a very whatever, like it can right. go with any random food, like it's going to be not the end of the world. It's not going to change my life, but it's whatever. Well, and it's you like know. the, it's like a really good, like I'm going to drink this by the pool wine. Cause it's so mm-hmm, non-offensive. Yes. And there's usually a cheap one on yes. the menu. Yes. Because it's a garbage fake wine. <laughs> <laughs> so again, we love all wines, but Rosé falls very low. I know. Well, I mean, I've told it, you. That, I like, like did a hard literally... left of it too. <laughs> I used to love it. Like, now I'm like, I don't want to be an Emily in Paris and like speak for all French people because I've been to France once but um, when I was <laughs> working there there's like a I got the general sense that like the French think rosé is just one step up from water and even then just like flat tap water. Is, um, is rosé their Bud Light? Yes. Yes. Rosé <laughs> is 100% the French Bud Light. We, like we could drive at the with summer this. camp, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. The owner of this property left a box of rosé in the fridge for the counselors so that we could drink it after hours, like after the kids had gone to bed, because that's how little they cared about it. Like they weren't, I mean, they weren't trying to be nice, but like, what would you serve a bunch of college students for free? But oh, like, like yeah. it's the cheapest beer I like, could that's find. That's how little they cared. Yes, no, for sure. And then we'd like sneak into the fridge and like 
take pieces of cheese that we didn't think the chef would notice but like I'm sure he 100% noticed every time like <laughs> but you know you were having your uh, Emily in Paris camp experience I was having the absolutely less glamour less gl- glamorous version of the Emily in Paris for sure however Cassie <laughs> speaking of people who would probably drink trash wine drink trash wine and also are foreign travelers yes look at um us. look at us segueing so beautifully into um if only I had done camp in Rome then that would have just been a really Bangkok. too good of a trip I don't even think I've been to Bangkok yeah, I know. I, I flew in and then I, I transferred there, but I've never like been outside. It doesn't count. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Let's start the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Talking about their favorite themes on silver screen. They'll try to stay on theme. Who said that this podcast was spoiler free? It's time for single best scene. Hi. Hi. I'm Sophie. And I'm Maddie. And welcome to Single Best Scene. This week's episode is The Flight Attendant. Woo! All right. So so how did you, I mean, I know this, but how did you find The Flight Attendant? Why did you watch? Well, I'd heard advertisements and stuff for it. But yeah, you really encouraged us to watch it, I think. I don't know. I was, when I was looking up information on it, I was surprised that it came out in November. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was that long ago, but also the past several months have been sort of like a time warp. So I don't really know. Right, <laughs> a few months. <right. laughs> past year. Right, <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> like lost all sense of time. But um, what about you? Why'd you watch it? Same. I mean, I feel like it was, I mean, it wasn't the first HBO Max show to come out like I know that for a fact but I feel Mm -hmm. like it was the most publicized HBO Max Mm. show um or maybe because that's when like HBO Max became more like available to the public when the merger and everything came through so people could like who had Roku and all that stuff so like I just felt like I saw all the time I also am just I like Kaylee Cuoco I know you are like her least I do not like her you're like not a fan (laughs) But I am, and I follow her on Instagram, and so I really got to see, like, the journey it was for her to get this made, which was interesting, because, like, they were delayed by COVID and, like, had to go back and film two episodes while they were releasing episodes. Like, they really were impacted by the shutdown, and so um, just, like, following along on Instagram, I was like, well, I've got to watch this, and then it got pretty positive, Mm -hmm. like, accolades. Like, I feel like unless you're going for a undoing or like a big little lies type of show the best the best review you can get this day and age is like bingeable and campy right like you want people to sit in front of the tv talk about it and talk about it with their friends like that's what you want out of a tv Mm -hmm. show because of the way that it's released I mean obviously people probably want Emmy nominations and shit but like okay this isn't succession but it's I can talk about it for you know it's not yeah so so speaking of what did you think of the pilot I I mean I I liked it it felt so much like a movie to me Mm -hmm. um I mean the whole show really was shot like a movie instead of like a tv show just the way their transitions were and the way they like used collage storytelling but yeah it was good 
what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I gave it an eight out of 10. I thought the mystery of it was good enough to keep me interested, but the other characters that were in the show, I was like, well, if it's not like a hundred percent mystery, cause that's impossible to be a mini series. I'm at least like, I like this cast. Like I thought it was really well casted and like, and I thought all the acting was really strong. So I was like, why not, you know, mm -hmm. why not give it, give it a shot. Um, I will also say one thing that you to add on to something you said with the way it was shot, kind of like a movie when I was kind of pitching the show to you as to why we should add it to our season two episodes. I thought even if you didn't love the storyline, you would be interested enough in the storytelling of it and the way they used like the cinematography and the split screen and the dreamscapes and like all of that stuff. How mm -hmm. did you feel about that? Was I right? Or were you like, well, whatever, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The real, the dreamscape stuff, I don't love, to be mm -hmm. honest. I think, I think it can be really distracting and really harsh. Like it can really take you out of the scene and you're like, well, what the fuck? Like, but, and, and I think, I do think Fightin did a really good job with that. Like I was fine with them. Mm -hmm. Like I understood why, like, it didn't really bother me. The chaos of it didn't really bother me either. And like the way that they did them were really abrupt, but even in her, like she was still the same in her mind palace mm -hmm. as she was outside of the mind palace. And also like if things were chaotic where she was in real life, things were also chaotic in her mind palace. So that's why it didn't bother me as much like and they would even use like a loud noise or something to be the transition and also because she would pop in and out so fast mm -hmm. that that sort of helped make it all blend together a little bit better I think for me and yeah it didn't bother me at all it was yeah I don't know it was just like a good way of explaining her mental state to everybody as well as actually like helping her of course like self-reflect and figure things out mm -hmm. um I thought it was a really good use with of her Michael. little imaginary hot friend. <laughs> I was gonna say it was a really good use of Michael Husman, Huseman? Husman. Yeah. So that he didn't like leave sure. the show once he got murdered. I was like, yes, please stick around. I will also yeah, say seriously. I enjoyed so that her confusion was just in the dreamscape. So like when she like came out of her little like whatever, the real life didn't acknowledge it. Cause it, that would have been annoying. <laughs> like if she was so out of it, yes. obviously it was like her talking to herself, right? Like that was like, he yeah, was, but it was subconscious in a way. Right. Yeah. But which, she just sort of like spaces out for a second and it's not mm -hmm. like she's actually. Which I yeah. loved that they never addressed it. Like it would have been really, yeah, I agree. Was, like, where is going? Yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Like we mm -hmm. know where she's going. Um, mm -hmm. and, yeah, like every once in a while, the other person who she was like mid sentence with would be like, hey and she'd be like sorry I've just been through a lot and you're like great we don't have to leave. which like you have been through a lot girl <laughs> yes. what a Ooh. life that girl has lived but I thought um Seriously. the way it was it was just like a kind of a nice break from like the queen's get like the more traditional storytelling to get kind of like a mm -hmm. a simple favor movie-esque Paul Feig type felt directed show with like things popping up and whatever the first time it happened I was like what the fuck is this and then I was like obviously yeah. I do it after like the third time but um I don't even know what genre this would be considered like a comedy thriller 
It's a thriller. Yeah, it's a comedy a thriller. Comedy thriller. So, do you have some bits and jokes that you wanna that you wanna talk about? You know, I should have done a better job of writing them down um, because I did a laugh like out loud occasionally. A but lot of it, sorry, I don't mean to like steal your time on your floor, but no, no, the, a lot of them were also just people's reaction, like their facial reactions to things. Yeah, it was a lot of situational sure. drama, yeah, which yeah. Uh, in contrast to, actually, I was just thinking about this, um, since we are going to cover Insecure, I've been watching Insecure, and so many of the jokes in Insecure are actually just one-liners. Mm-hmm. Like, they can be taken out of context, like, it doesn't matter, like, there isn't a ton of situational comedy, or even, like, physical comedy, even, in that show. It's, like, all, like, clever writing and, like, clever jokes. Yeah, so, there's no reaction. Yeah, no, I mean, no, no. The comedy is like, like in the writing. Mm-hmm, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just different. But yeah, it, with the show, so much of it is situational or yeah, reactions or just like the way even stuff is delivered. I mean, Zosha Mamet is fucking hilarious. That's <laughs> with her. I'm obsessed with her in she's everything one of the, she's in. Yeah, she's one of the few celebrities I've seen in real life. So pat myself on the back, my little um, uh. New York um, moment. Um, accidentally following her like three blocks into the West Village one day but she's very tiny like (laughs) I believe that she's a very tiny person um but yeah I mean they partnered her with like the teeniest little man to be her boyfriend which was adorable bits and jokes um okay so one of the things I wrote down is Miranda the evil redhead who also if anybody has seen Sabrina the chilling adventures of Sabrina the teenage witch on Netflix, she is a character in that as well. Although I don't know how much she's really. Oh no, she's a main character. Yeah, yeah, she's in season one. Mm. Her character, she plays like multiple people, which is a little bit confusing. But yeah, so we knew her from that. Uh, okay, her the little like running gag they have of hers of her meditation app was. <laughs> so fucking funny um, uh-huh. I love that um, and the fact that she thinks Cassie is a legit spy like that was the other bit of hers that I thought was so funny like she literally until episode seven thought Cassie was an honest to god spy so that so was funny. <laughs> and then when Cassie tells Buckley like they're in the bar and she's like that guy's been following me I'm gonna go confront him like any other (laughs) drunk bitch on earth and goes and confronts him and is like oh you definitely work for the FBI you're protecting me okay and like marches back to him and was like she's or he's from the FBI he's protecting me like as if it's like like she's proud to everybody (laughs) like everybody has to have an FBI uh like trailing yeah oh my god it was so funny um and then I will anytime say like, Kaylee Cuoco sorry she <laughs> no no go ahead sometimes it's really frustrating I mean it, it is frustrating and we'll touch on it I'm sure a little bit later in the in the B plots but like obviously she has a drinking problem which mm-hmm. is a is frustrating in a tv show and I'm sure frustrating in real life and something that should be taken seriously obviously and with empathy but what I enjoyed about some of her scenes is she was like a funny drunk like she was either Mm self-destructive or very funny where I was like okay like Mm -hmm. I have accidentally gotten too drunk at a bar at like two in the afternoon not every day and not regularly but like no it happened you know what I mean like it happens yeah 
Um, so her drunk scenes when they weren't sad <laughs> were very funny. Like her acting yes. drunk. Um, yeah, her acting drunk was hilarious. Must have been exhausting to act like yes. as the actress. What was what did you say? So you were saying something about Kaylee Cuoco's reaction. Yeah, no, I had that right now, but that reminded me of something else that I thought was funny, but I can't remember. Whatever. Okay, yeah. Anytime she mouth like her reaction to something was mouthing what the fuck to herself <laughs> was so funny and so relatable. Um, one of my favorite times is when she realized she's on that empty private plane and realizes that they're smuggling guns <laughs> or like, yeah, like ammunition and, or whatever yeah, the fuck. Like, mm-hmm. And she just mouths like to herself like it just like it was part like so funny and also like so relatable like it was just um very funny um also her shutting down that pilot who like wanted to sleep with her including the well and the apology she was like okay yeah sorry I kicked a bucket of ice (laughs) he was like okay whatever Yeah. <laughs> oh my god and also like making fun of him for the expensive gym that he's in i.e equinox <laughs> just roasting like, the shit out of him just roasting <laughs> the shit out of that man um amazing and lastly she says when she when the gay flight attendant comes mm-hmm. in and saves her Shame. um in the end and she's like where did you get that gun? I had to get a gun from an Italian woman's dead husband. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome. Well, that's amazing. Also, I didn't write this down, but this did remind me. Um, Megan, her coworker, like yes. Kate, or um, I guess Cassie having to apologize to Megan for Megan being like, you think I call too much? And Cassie being like, like, sorry, I said that, like, whatever, whatever. I'm like, this is like the generational argument. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, also she was like, like every time she brought it up <laughs> when she was like, yeah, but you call me and leave me voicemails in Korean. Like, I <laughs> yes, love- she thought it was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, like, like par for the course. <laughs> I will say in. Yeah, you was- and some guy. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was really. Didn't question it any red herring of who the murderer was that didn't pay off in the end like every of information was important we would just need to figure out the level of importance because like even Megan leaving the voicemail and then breaking into the bar to steal her phone which was hilarious then Mm, Buckley the opportunity to kill the FBI agent you know what I mean like everything gave yeah yeah yeah. someone without us even paying attention I mean I wasn't paying that close of attention to because I didn't realize everything was important until I was re- prepping for this episode and was like, there was rarely anything that happened that was just to like fill time or like really like yeah. throw us off of the scent a la like Riverdale. You know what I mean? Like it was eight episodes right. of like well-used time. Like it didn't feel too long mm. and it didn't feel too short. It was just like a good amount of episodes. Yeah, um, yeah. eight was the correct amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So some of mine... So when Cassie starts investigating as Alessandra Ricci and knocks over the bunny statue, I laughed very hard. Um, that was amazing. And when she like accidentally like stumbles upon saying like the number one like safe word at that company and everybody freaks out. I was like, who like, I just thought it was so funny that she like caused so much more trouble in trying to help 
over and over yes. again, but the first time was funny. <laughs> yes, the first time was funny. Also, though, speaking of that office, when she got that receptionist drunk and she was like, okay, so what's the deal with Miranda, who, of course, the woman had completely pretended like she didn't know who she was. You get, you get the receptionist drunk and she's like, oh my God, that girl, such a bitch. <laughs> like again relatable (laughs) yep also like to go back to my receptionist days where you just have to like smile at everybody and you're like yeah I don't know who you're talking about (laughs) great tonight I've never worked with a murderer but that you know that I know of (laughs) no um okay so Cassie's scene where she tells Annie about the murder but like starts first with being like okay so like Amanda Knox like do we think that like the way she like was like hypothetically speaking yeah yeah, like literally she's still covered in blood (laughs) And has yes. to tell her. And then Annie's like re- in so the hotel room. <laughs> yes. Love that. And then like her just because I think Amanda Knox is such a touch point for like our generation of like things that could truly go really fucking wrong. Like <laughs> yeah. she is just I don't think she's a murderer. I think she's just a weirdo who was in a foreign country and then spent 10 years in an Italian prison. Like insane. <laughs> insane. And so I just thought that was like a very relatable <laughs> murderer to pick like your alleged murderer to Uh like do and like that's kind of what happened like she walked in and used the bathroom and then her roommate was murdered but then when she actually sits down with annie and like annie's reaction like her facial reaction to everything cassie's saying like okay well but why did you get back in bed with him when when annie was like on the phone with her still and was like well what are you like why are we talking about this where even are you and she Mm -hmm. was like i'm in bangkok and annie was like oh no, you definitely cannot go to prison there. Like, that would be super, super, super bad. Uh-huh. And she was like, oh, fuck. Just that like, was also hilarious. Like, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, so another... Yeah, th- when she goes and, and tells her, yeah. And this is another, like, situational, like, delivery of the way Kaylee Cuoco did it. But, like, so she, like, says, like, you, so you left the room. They're, like, trying to piece together, like, how she didn't end up mm-hmm. murdered. So she's like, you must have left the room for real. He got murdered and you came back and got in bed with him. And she, the way Kaylee Cuoco delivers the, like, I got back in bed with a dead man. That's bad, right? I thought it was so funny. Yeah. That's like, yeah. like, that's fucking terrible. She's like, that's bad. Like, that's not good. I was like, no. Well, um, again, even before that, she was like, no, like, I never would have done that. And Zosha Mama is like, no, if you were there, you would, you would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> right. So good. Although um, what's interesting is like later we like at the end we find out that the murderer knew that she was in the hallway the whole time. So like But I think his like, I'm still kind of surprised he didn't kill her. Yeah, I think his mission was just to kill him and then if she got framed for the murder, well, that's you know kind of better for him i guess that's true um cassie when she tricks shane into going to the memorial and he's like are we at three c's funeral (laughs) (laughs) still calling him by his seat um when annie's trying to get her out of the memorial and she like won't leave because she's um insane she says if she fucking Mm -hmm. dies i'm going to kill her which like relatable and then the last one that i wrote down and and I don't know why I stopped here, is just when Cassie and uh, Miranda come face-to-face on the train and she just kicks her shoe at her and Miranda's like, what the fuck? Like, why? Like, yeah. Miranda's reaction to Cassie 
truly not being a spy, but thinking she's a spy where she just kicks her shoe mm-hmm. and then runs off. Very, very funny to me. Yes. Those are just some of our highlights. So this show does have some tragedy in it. There are a lot of moments mm-hmm. to pick from for our next category, but what did you mark down as yeah. your heartbreak scene? For heartbreak, I had three. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is when Max almost dies. Yes. Trying to save Cassie, or not trying, successfully saving Cassie from the crazy black car. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very dramatic. I really 100% thought he was dead. Um, so I'm shocked he wasn't. I'm so um, glad he wasn't, but you're right. Shocked is the right same. word. He got hit so, so bad. Hard. Also, like, she was giving him CPR, which does that work when you've been hit? I don't think I understand all the reasons you would use CPR. I thought it was only for, but I guess if you have a heart attack, does CPR help? I don't CPR know enough certified. about medicine. Because um, I was the only person on my floor who they could trick into doing it. And I'm pretty sure you are supposed to do it when their heart stops. So like if she felt his pulse and there was no heartbeat, then yes, she needs to do it. Mm. But I also, in terms of, you know, my obsession with watching YouTube people react to TV shows and Mm. everything, um, that's like the number one medical critique that they give those shows is they just like don't do CPR. They like immediately do paddles, which like, you do CPR for a while first. So in terms of like being medically mm. accurate, her doing CPR was probably the first thing, but she didn't know where like the blood was in his body. So like if he had a collapsed lung, she's she just like shoving on it. I mean, granted like- Right. She did something, which is better than what I thought I she was going to do, which was like- I mean, yeah, but I definitely just thought he was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, So that was super sad. Cause I also was like, how is she going to explain this to Annie who like the same episode had to like deliver the suicide pills to that man? So mm-hmm. she'd already had a really hard day. I don't know, like, I knew, like, having to explain this would be. Well, and, like, what's sad is that, like, Annie, because she doesn't want to define her relationship with Max, whatever, that's her own thing. But, like, I don't mm-hmm. think she acknowledged or didn't have the brain space to acknowledge how close, close is a relative term, but, like, how, how much Max and Cassie had been working together and become, like, a little buddy team in this episode and so that's when that happened all I thought was like fuck she's not gonna acknowledge that they've gotten close yeah like it wasn't just some like random fuck boy on Annie's side but also like Cassie considered him a friend where I was like oh this is such a bad situation all around and like Mm -hmm. they both have the I don't know I was like fuck for sure um and then um my second one was her breakdown slash breakthrough in the jail about her childhood Mm-hmm. which obviously we really saw coming there was like a lot of like smaller leading up mm-hmm. moments around this but the like big one in jail was where she was like sobbing and control was very sad um and I thought it was really interesting I I haven't seen or I can't think of a sh- I mean all shows touch on it a little bit like even I think Schitt's Creek a little bit would do this occasionally with, with David and Alexis because you know like select it I mean we all remember everything differently there's like a whole like ted talk about it if anyone's interested Mm -hmm. um but like a ted radio hour podcasting about it but like how everyone holds everyone else to unrealistic expectations 
because your memory is different from theirs. Mm -hmm. Basically, like every single person experience, like five people in one room will all have five different memories and also emotional reactions to the exact same thing that's happening, which is totally crazy. And something we all take for granted because we all like tell ourselves that like, no, like we were all there. So we all remember it the same when like, that's not actually literally the case at all. (laughs) It's like why they have to interview multiple eyewitnesses and crimes and stuff because- Yes, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because everyone is like through their own tunnel vision without realizing it. Um, And so the way that they like, of course, in Schitt's Creek, it was only like every once in a while, you know, where David would be like, well, remember who saved you from the Somali pirates? Yeah, that was me. Mom and dad didn't care. They didn't even notice you were gone. But like, Mm -hmm. I noticed. And so like, I like saved you from that thing. And, you know, she not realizing that he'd done all that blah, 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 blah. Um, but I thought it was interesting that they, I mean, that was basically what the entire B plot of this show was about, right? Right. It was like her and her brother's relationship and the entire, like their whole relationship was based on their own version of their childhood. Um, and like all the like toxic shit that their family, um, had going on and the way that their parents like had divided them and how like as adults, they're both having to try to function and neither of them are doing super well I mean obviously her brother is I guess doing better because he has a family and kids if we're gonna use that as a like bar for success he's certainly like way more stable but also he seems like an absolute nightmare control freak Mm -hmm. and is gonna die at like 50 because of his stomach ulcers because he seems stressed about literally everything right so he's not exactly well he doesn't have like a model of success but it's also like how we as like observers can say like, well, she has a, a dependency on alcohol that is based on her relationship with her dad and black, literally mm-hmm. blacking out memories because of their like drinking buddy friendship. Mm-hmm. Whereas he doesn't have like, he just looks like a concerned parent when he's insane and she's like a drunk mm-hmm. mess. So it's like their outward presentation right. to the world. He is more put together, yes. but like, Sometimes when you're mm-hmm. that tight, like tightly wound, you are, it's like the Alan it's not and like Nadia. Less toxic. We're going to talk about another show we've covered in Russian Doll. It's like the Alan and Nadia like dynamic where it's like, yeah, one too tight. One needs probably like a little bit of help and like together mm-hmm. they can get more done than apart. But like, this is a different dynamic, yeah. but he just reminded me sure. of Alan. <laughs> Being, like, yeah. No, we're, sure. like, we're going to do. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. That was wild. I thought that was sort of an interesting choice for like the scene that was going to make her a bad aunt because it really did seem so stupid to fight over. And maybe that's why they did choose it. The stuffed animal? Because yeah, it didn't seem malicious. He, but like clearly he felt that it was, which maybe that's showing us that maybe that was like a nod to us being like, he also is fucked up. Like he also doesn't like, can't like step back from this mm-hmm. situation. Like she can't step back either. Like she's just like blindly going through shit. Well, he also is like so tunnel vision about like his way and like whatever, whatever. Well, it's like when Again, the like up, chronic overcorrection. When you grow up in an environment that doesn't feel stable or is chaotic, I think you either lean into it, which is what Cassie did, or you go so far against it that like, you can't, you want like the rules that you set followed because you didn't have that as a child. So like, he doesn't want his kids to do that. And so I understood the like underlying thing of being like, don't tell my kids to lie to me. 
Like you bought them mm-hmm. this gift. And like, if it were me, I would have just pulled him aside and been like, I bought them those stupid things, like shut up about it. But I think it was, he had the dad turned against him. And like, I just don't think, I think he's terrified of other people turning like being on the outs with him. I don't know. He was an interesting side character that they yeah. gave a lot of screen time to, but I don't feel like I got to see grow. No, he didn't really seem to grow. But also I just love that my little George O'Malley finally got to be um, a gay man I in the know, TV show George. I watched. I know, but yeah, that was one interesting thing that he really didn't seem to grow or change at all, which was a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. He did not have the epiphany we are having about his right, character. Right. And it's tough because like, because we didn't actually get to see any growth after the like dramatic phone call of her, like admitting that, yeah, you know, she finally sees what he's talking about. It's like, because the whole thing about the the little stuffed whales, right, is that he viewed her intentions as being malicious like he was like placing all this shit from his dad onto her so because we didn't really see any growth who has to say that he's not going to keep doing that you know right. which would you know I think I don't know it that was just really odd it was nice that he was there to pick her up but like I think it would have been different if he would have been there with the girls mm-hmm. um or like we see the next, like they go back in the car and the girls are in the car or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, but whatever. Anyway, my last one is the last sad scene was her absolutely having a mental breakdown in the AA meeting that mm-hmm. she like accidentally had to be in, which was like, again, like I was surprised that they like, that that was the setup. Um, but of course, once they were in there, super predictable, like we've seen it a million times, <laughs> like any any cornered alcoholic in a tv show goes through like the exact same thing but um it was still like super sad and even her like chaotically running around because she thought bunny was scaring her i thought it was interesting that the way that kaylee cuoco played the alcoholism because i mean it's tough because i know like some of it is like her losing her her conscious also being really aggressive with her um but also the like constant alcohol didn't help but sometimes she sort of played this as if her character was high. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> drugs were not part of the thing. Right. It's like her- Which I thought al- was kind of- Yeah, her alcohol, her her drunk was like manic. Like she went yeah. really big with a lot of the scenes, which I think up until that point, her alcoholism had been um, like a functioning alcoholic, right? Like- her friends mm-hmm. knew she yeah, was she drunk, was but, like, really high-functioning. There's no way that, like, yeah. the passengers knew that she was drunk or whatever. Right. Um, but, yeah, like, I feel like as, like, she started to come to terms with her dad's death and and kind of all of the weight that she had put on that, her her responses to things became so disproportionately large. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think yeah, like, I end up being like, what the fuck are you, what is going on <laughs> No, for sure. That was hilarious. Yeah, a lot of it was obviously, I mean, it was all emotional induced, but because she was also like drinking and partying, it did feel so much like a high. Mm-hmm. Um, another example of that was the horse stealing, which actually I put into B-plots, mm-hmm. but that seemed to me so hard. I was like, did did I miss a scene where she like took a, like ate a whole weed brownie? Like, like her, like, rambling on about how the horse needs to be free. I was like, what? Like, 
did I uh, miss yeah, something? Like, like, like suddenly, I, I was like, what the fuck? Whatever. Well, um, anyway. It's interesting because like, like I said, like everything that happens is explained, right? So they needed a way to get Buckley in the system, but they also needed him in a way that would make it so that he wouldn't think anything of it. So like, obviously she didn't know when she was that manic and whatever that like stealing the horse would be the thing that got him fingerprinted would be the thing, yada, yada. But as an audience member, I was like, oh, cool. They're both in the system. And then when they realized it was him, I was like, oh shit, that's playing into this. Like somehow that got him mm-hmm. caught too, you know? Yeah. Um. So my heartbreak scene, while I thought all of the stuff with her family was just like so unbelievably tragic and in terms of relationships yeah. could talk about for hours and just like really psychoanalyze that family. Mine actually is the kind of big confrontation that happened in episode six between Annie and Cassie when Ka- Annie calls her a drunk and Cassie calls her a liar and Annie's like so defeated and like Max is in the hospital, like barely alive. And she's like, maybe you're right. Like I do lie to you all the time and it's because I don't think you can handle that. And I just don't think our friendship is going to work. Like the way Zosha mm-hmm. played it was so, and like the, just the acting in that scene was so subdued and so like well done that I truly felt like a friendship was breaking off. Like I was like, yeah, I don't know how you, both of those things are so true. Mm-hmm. And especially cause like Cassie's is less something that she can control, right? Like alcoholism is a disease, but like Annie chooses to lie to her and like Annie realizing like, oh, she notices <laughs> that I lied mm-hmm. to her was, was sad and that she was like tired of constantly cleaning up her messes. It was like, she had just killed that, given the suicide pills and Max had just got hit by the car. And then Cassie's coming at her talking about like a flash drive and all of this stuff. And it was like, oh, pass read a room, none of your stuff. And I, I kind of mentioned this on the phone to you earlier today when we were chatting briefly, but like I got to a point in the back half, six, seven, and eight where her, I mean, mainly just six and seven, she was figuring out the pieces to the puzzle, but like no one was there to like witness it with her. And it became so unbelievable because the cover up was so big that like I felt bad for Cassie being like, no, there was a warehouse here. And the only person who saw it got hit by a car. But also that was someone that was in on this. And I don't know. Yeah. Like it, yeah. I felt no, bad totally. for her, but like it, it kind of played into the like unreliable narrator where Annie was like, I don't even know if I can believe you. And I don't know if I care. Maybe all this yeah, is happening. No, for and sure. Like, maybe I just don't care. Maybe yeah. I just don't care. Like, I, I want to believe you, but also you have literally no proof. So what made you want to watch? Like, when you were watching at what point kind of, like, hooked you and you were like, all right, I'm in. Mine was for sure her waking up in the puddle of blood and calling Annie and being like, but Amanda Knox and Annie being like, this is really bad and cleaning <laughs> it up. And when she cleaned it up, I was like, what does she think's going to happen? He's still in the room dead. Like, that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to watch it. Like, I'm in. Yeah, her and cleaning I, it up was weird. Because I feel like anybody who's our age, like, has seen enough crime dramas to know definitely not to do that. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, but, I, it also gave me enough, like, I was confident enough that she wasn't the murderer. But up until that point, I couldn't figure out how anybody else was. And so I was like, well, if she was, because we didn't know she had left, right? Like when she wakes up and she's covered in blood, we are led to believe until episode like three or whatever that she was the only person in the room the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I believe that she didn't do it. Like I am confident that she didn't do the murder. Like I didn't think this was going to be 
we're going to spend eight episodes for this to be like, JK, it was her the whole time. But I was like, how is this going to happen? And not be stupid. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, how is it going to be believable and not stupid? And I think they pulled off. But that's kind of when I, like, turned into the show. Also, he's just so fucking hot. He's so hot. Yeah, I think my turning point was, like, three small turning points. One was Mm -hmm. when she, like, actually got on the plane and the plane left. So, like, she 100%, like, made it out of Bangkok. Mm -hmm. That's when I was like, okay, so, like, we're going to, like, leave that behind. And, like, she's going to go back to the U.S. And the story is going to continue in the U.S. Because... I didn't would not have been interested in a show where she's like trapped in like an Amanda Knox story (laughs) like an Amanda Knox story like I don't want I I just am not that is it to me is a movie this was a show I don't know if I can do that for eight episodes um but then um to your point about Alex the first time we got her little like jolting flashback where she was like why the fuck am I here again I was mm-hmm. like, okay, we're going to keep coming back to this. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to be living in this apartment or this hotel room in her head probably the whole time. And like, this is going to help her figure it out. So that also was a turning point, micro turning point. And then the last one was honestly when we finally met Zosha Mamet because I'm like, okay, there's also a normal person who was friends with her, mm-hmm. right? Because that's also mm-hmm. like, we need some rocks in this chaotic energy of Kaylee Cuoco because I also like, we couldn't deal with just that the whole time. Like we needed some stability, some consistency right, um, in order right. for the story to like make some sense since our narrator was unreliable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, once we met Zosha, I was like, okay, great. Also Zosha is my mother's name, grandmother's name. <laughs> <laughs> I love Zosha. Just thought of that when I said, when we were waiting for Zosha. Um, but I wrote yeah. a paper on uh, so sort of like dad in college. Combination of those things. What? So I wrote a paper on Zosha Mamet's dad in college. Who's her from dad? David Mamet. He's like a very famous playwright. Huh. Huh. Because she was part of the girls' TV show, and all of those yeah. girls are like it's like nepotism is like what they're huh. kind of known for. That makes sense. Alice I can't Clark. imagine how it's that show would have been produced like 10 years ago right right back when nobody thought women's stories mattered (laughs) truly it paved the way i liked that show but that's not what we're here to talk and she was my favorite character on that show shoshana all day there you go um so i think this is where we're gonna get into the meat of our conversation some best and worst and i have one that's just called confusing b plots do you want to take it away i have yeah i have quite a few yeah, I'll do. We'll, we'll, let's do our bests, and then you can do your confusing, and then we'll do our worst. So that's yeah. Good? I only have one worst, so we can yeah definitely do it that way. Cool. Um. Okay. So for best number one, I loved FBI agent Kim. She loved was her. great. Loved her. Um. She was a bad bitch, and I especially loved the scene um with the hot dog truck where she rips Agent White apart uh, about his privilege. It was a contender for single best scene. Honestly, it was fantastic loved it and I love that she was just like actually you know why you think that (laughs) let me tell you like you little bitch like right it was just like so fantastic and cathartic and I also loved that I feel like the FBI agents were the exact amount like they were the correct amount of plot in the show 
you know Mm -hmm. like we got them for like probably two or three minutes max screen time per episode and that's all they needed to be we remembered who they were though like we knew their faces we knew that the investigation was still happening but like it did not become a whole thing we never really saw them outside of work we never saw them hardly outside that office well and they were always kept it tight they were always two except for maybe five minutes of the whole show with either Cassie or Annie or uh, one of the other flight attendants. So it was like, we never, we always saw them working on this case, which yes. was good because this was like, while we're considering it a B plot, it was truly like a CDE plot of the show was, yeah. was them figuring out the murder because Cassie was spending mm-hmm. so much time figuring it out. So had we had both of right. them carrying the same amount, like it would have not been good. <laughs> No, for sure. And they didn't even really draw that tight of a line. Like, I don't know if we, I don't even remember ever seeing her tail communicate with the agents. Like it didn't, it wasn't even like a background conspiracy. Like they really kept it low key, the whole FBI thing. She like went in that one time and like spewed everything. And Annie was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like I told you to plead the fifth on all this stuff. Yeah. So like, I'm very glad that that didn't backfire. Same. Again, I was just so confident that she didn't do it that I was like, well, somehow she'll get out of this scrape. Yeah. And, you know, the whole thing with FBI, I mean, it's like, if she was guilty, why would she spew all this random stuff, but not that? Like, she she never played her character like she was even remotely guilty. So that was good. Mm -hmm. Um, So i loved the whole memorial service plot i thought it was fucking hilarious i thought it was hilarious that her like gay best friend went and her cape hat outfit was amazing and her thinking that she's like fucking nancy drew of this (laughs) like westchester ass neighborhood like it was so much and she was so like knocking over the appetizer tray like Mm -hmm. or the like paso d'oeuvres whatever like it just everything about that was hilarious her having the audacity to like sneak upstairs like truly sometimes like her being drunk all the time was helpful Mm -hmm. Um, she was really able to just plow for a story yes 100 although the only thing that i like was a little bit frustrated by was like clearly zosha mehmet calling or i guess annie annie making that call that calling in that favor to get her out of that house 100 percent was necessary it is what got her out of the house but like cassie's character never connected those dots mm-hmm. i found that i thought that was so frustrating i was like that is literally like the well, reason annie's entire plot gets tanked is because she did this for you and she never it's not that cassie like didn't didn't believe that her friend tried to help her but she sort of just like pushed brushed it off and never actually connected dots of like i almost died mm-hmm. and because annie called those guys let me go so that was kind of disappointing because it did totally fuck up annie's whole life and it's basically cassie never realized but i think that's so, what that was frustrating in my like heartbreak scene that's like what the basis of their friendship is is that Cassie's always drunk and Annie's always lying to protect her so I think Annie withheld a lot of what she knew and what she was doing because she was like I could tell Cassie this and she's not gonna even fucking remember that she was at the memorial you know what I mean like she was so drunk by that point that she's gonna be like oh yeah thank you much like 
obviously she was more functioning than that. But I think that that's like those little resentments instead of saying it to her is what led them to that big blow up. No, you don't even know what I've sacrificed for you. No, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, but like she knew, like she knew that she was trying to help. I don't, I don't really know. It just like feels like even just like in the finale, there would have been some kind of like epiphany moment for her. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there was so much gray. Yes, I completely agree. I think there was so much gray in the type of law that Annie did. And I think like law firms are like a lot of people just like truly don't know what happens at them. You know what I mean? Like they're not, I mean, not that it's like such a unique job, but like, because we've watched so much TV where it's just like going to court every day, people think that that's law or just like defending murderers. And so watching it, you could really tell Cassie had no clue what Annie did. And Annie also mm. couldn't talk about what she did because she did like shady shit. And she so worked I for just, the bad guys for sure. Mm-hmm. She was like, like a lawyer criminal, to mo- the mob. Yeah. Yeah. She was like a yeah. criminal, she was defense, a criminal attorney defense attorney, but for like, the, right. For, for the, the mob. <laughs> yeah. Like she wasn't trying to get them arrested. She was trying to make sure they stayed out. Mm-mm. And so I think Annie just never realized Mm-mm. how serious her job was anyway. And she was just like, this is my lawyer being like, she can do whatever I need. Right. Which it's like that Annie probably hadn't done that in since law school had pretended to do. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Anyway. No, for sure. Um, I also loved when Cassie remembered the door code. Okay. First, I also loved them breaking into the, that I loved her and Max breaking into the apartment. That whole plot was fucking amazing. It's my favorite episode. Like it was so funny. Um, I loved their little team, Mm -hmm. but Cassie remembering the door code gave me a glimmer of hope that like, she was actually going to be able to figure this out like through her fog of her alcoholism like she is high functioning enough to like be helpful right Mm -hmm. like she's not just shooting herself in the foot constantly like she can actually also be helpful um and she actually did it twice when she I mean she was the one who got them into that building and like got the the security guard to tell what number his apartment was like that whole thing was like she was the one who made that happen so that was maybe even a turning point considered saying um which was hilarious um and then I loved when her and Miranda joined forces mm-hmm. that was great love that and then I also in the same page of her being actually not like a total worthless train wreck I was glad that they didn't make her a bad flight attendant she never missed a flight. She showed up on time, even the first time when they were like, we were taking bets on how late you'd be. She was like, well, how about perfectly on time? And we've talked about this before about how like demeaning it is when they make women bad at their jobs for basically no fucking reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, sure, she was a total chaos, like chaotic mess. And 95% of the show was based on that, but she was actually still good at her job and like could do it. So that was, and she kept her job at the end. So that was mm-hmm. great. Um, so I did just like appreciate that. Okay, what about you? Go so on. I liked Cassie and Annie's friendship. I thought the way it evolved was interesting to watch. Um, and I liked Cassie and Max teaming up, like you said, um, breaking in. That was awesome. Um, Annie and Max not being in a relationship, but being in love made me laugh so hard. And I thought it was such an interesting <laughs> yeah. plot, like that he like lived with her and she didn't know. Like, she didn't want to move out, but I just really liked their scenes when it was just the two of them, which weren't that often, but I did like them. Um, Crashing the memorial and, like, moving the, like, lionfish and, like, the 
the making it believable that Alex was murdered for his job in that episode, I thought was just a really smart time to do it. It wasn't just like his ex-girlfriend who murdered him. Like there was actually some sort of business cover up. Mm, Yeah. And figuring that out at the memorial when she's like blackout drunk and having to get kicked out. Um, Amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, So we already talked about it a lot, so we don't have to really talk about it anymore, but just like the complicated nature of her relationship with her brother it was in the show enough that I cared about it, but not too much that it felt like a family drama where I was like, yeah, I everything, all like I would forget about him. Mm-hmm, all of her behavior was excuses, the wrong word, but like uh, justified or made sense the more we saw of her brother, but they didn't overuse that plot device. Um, mm-hmm. The reveal of Miranda and her just storyline that she like is bad, but like a gray breath, like she didn't actually murder anybody really, except for Victor. Mm-hmm. And like her thinking Cass yeah. is a spy and just like all of Miranda, I just loved as a character. Same. Um, so <laughs> the murder reveal and who it was, I had no clue. And like upon rethinking of it, I'm like, dang, Buckley was around a lot. How did I not know that he was texting yeah. her so much and like just would pop up everywhere she was like that she, he was going on a run right by her or like when they showed all of the yeah. places that he was and him being like, you're a real bad drunk like you didn't notice that I was like stalking you but I think because mm-hmm. they made her so manic it just made sense to me that he popped up everywhere and like people always yeah. talk about how small New York is or whatever and I've been fed enough lies mm-hmm. from tv shows that like you could live in Brooklyn and be in Manhattan in three minutes that I was just like whatever so like that whole reveal and the way they did the reveal and that be plot with like Miranda describing Felix and him have told her telling her the, the story cats. but from but like leaving out the part where he did it I was like oh shit like mm-hmm. I realized it at the same time she did like I just thought it yeah. was like brilliant and I wouldn't have thought of him just because like I don't know like, he seemed like a nice guy and seemed really like her yeah no I agree I just did not see it coming um and then Shane working for the CIA I just thought like what <laughs> that was amazing that was amazing <laughs> I was like all right, let's go. And then, like, Cassie might work for the CIA in season two. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Like, let's go. Um, I know. Yeah, that was cute. So you want me to go into my most confusing? Yep. Okay, so I'm just going to read it. Then we can talk about it. Megan turning her husband into the FBI, but then also she kind of redeemed herself. But then the flash drive and the cash handoff with a child. I was like, what's this kid got to do with it? And then her husband worked for Unisphere because he was at that meeting in the, with the bunny. He was one of the two guys that she went and talked to. And then Annie is the lawyer after they did. So then Annie is their lawyer, the two guys that were at Unisphere's lawyer after Cassie was at the memorial. Then Shane was spying on Megan from the CIA, but she didn't start doing work for giving the CIA information and it seemed like Shane had been working there for a long time. Basically, Megan's entire plot, I was confused by. Okay, so under my worst B-plots, the first one is I literally do not understand Megan's cyber scheme. Like, I don't understand anything about it. I didn't really care. Like, no, whenever they brought either. it up, I was like, why are we... And because, okay, all those things you said, I didn't even pick up on half that stuff. Wait, what do you mean the husband was at... The husband okay. worked for Alex's company? So when Cassie goes to Alex's company to try to figure out who Miranda is, she says Miranda or whatever. And then the woman like takes her back and is like, what do you, 
why are you here? Are you a client of Alex's or whatever? And she's like, oh yeah, I'm investing in. And she remembers a deal he had said. And then she goes uh-huh. into the room and she's talking to like two big white men. One mm-hmm. of those guys, I think is Megan's husband. Really? Yes. That's what I read in a recap. Cause I was like very confused by Megan's story. So I was just going through and like control F for Megan to be like, what the fuck okay. happened? That makes FBIC. so much more sense. Because I, like, obviously those two, like, because that, that's why I was so confused by her whole plot, because I'm like, it didn't seem to interact at all yes. with, like, the whole, the rest of the show. Like, I was like, is this just because, like, she has something else to do? Like, no. are they really playing the long game on this first season, too? Like, that seemed insane. So I think Okay, so the husband works for Somehow for the company family. Yeah. And then... Yeah, and what, what was the flash drive about? I I assume the flash drive that she left had an offshore bank account information, mm-hmm. but um, because there wasn't that much money in there, so I, I assumed it was an offshore account. But like I don't know, it was so confusing. I well because Megan was working still for am confused about it. North Koreans, she didn't have anything to do with the FBI. I don't think. No, I think she was well. But I, I didn't think that when this story started was the first she time she started working with them. I think she'd been working with them for a while, but it was just like escalated. And I think that's... So I think the FBI was trailing her because she had made communications with the North Koreans to give... Or let's see, I don't know if they're from Korea. I think that they were. Um, but who in the FBI was trailing her? No, I just think someone. Like that's how... Because I think she thought she was working for the FBI, but she wasn't. I don't think so. Okay. Because remember she explained on the phone to her husband when he was like, why are they looking at my computer? And she was like, no, maybe she, maybe she said this actually to, to Cassie. She was like, yeah, I was at a conference for my husband's company and like this nice Asian guy like talked to me and now I felt like I was a cool girl. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, they was- were paying me money, but I thought it was just like a dude to do. Like, I didn't think it was like, whatever which is like I don't know if I believe her but I only believe her because they made her so innocent and everything else I don't know I was very confused by it I could not figure out how it tied into like every character but also felt like none of them it felt so unrelated yeah um so that's that's the thing it's like even if they are like okay so so he did work for Alex's company there was not enough connection obviously both of us watched the show missed it so don't think that was a great like clue into anything it never came up again and even if they are like gonna do more about it in season two like what if it's that is way too long of a game to play like you can't Mm -hmm. like you need to give more crumbs that are bigger so that we can at least be aware that these two things might be connected i also i don't know i just feel like cast a a five second scene of another old white guy right they should have cast a more husband because like I didn't realize that he was in the office until today when I was reading the recap about it so again could be wrong barely picture him but yeah um so that was my most confusing like I don't necessarily think it was bad because it did eventually pay off and like the only reason why Shane was even there was because of this right like it it ended up making sense ish like but that it didn't need to be the reason she got saved like no. anybody could have come in with a gun but i do think it was um, like the comedic payoff of like shane being the one that did it 
was yeah. funny. But yeah, no, completely confusing. I mean, it could have been equally funny if, if Megan came in with a gun. Mm-hmm. Or even <laughs> like she is suddenly him. actually a whole agent. Yeah. Um, not more funny, but like, you know, that, I mean, could have been equivalent. Um, right, right. But then I think yeah. it gave us enough of a trail to follow that we weren't super on edge about Buckley. You know what I mean? Like it was a good yeah I was just I was just as like distracted but I didn't like lose sleep over trying to solve it type yeah. of type of mystery but um yeah, and then my worst is so small <laughs> it's so small okay. it just irritated the shit out of me Cassie pretending that she didn't know 3c before like when everybody was like you were flirting with him and she was like I don't know who you're talking about like I understand that she had just woken up in his blood but like how she just like basically told them all like they were wrong I was like but like it just was very frustrating to me and I it was in the very beginning and I was like if it's gonna be a whole show of her like truly pretending like she wasn't in the room I'm gonna lose my mind that quickly faded away yeah. but I was so yeah. irritated when she just wouldn't like stop and then when she tried to run from the FBI I was like how do you think this is the best case scenario but like truly oh, yeah when she tried to flee Mm-hmm. and looked so guilty mm-hmm. that was wild after that when she stopped looking guilty and started cooperating as closely as you know she could allow and annie could allow i liked it better but up until that point i was kind of like girl you didn't do it yeah like uh, stop looking like you absolutely did <laughs> yeah uh what about you what is your worst what is some of your worst so um I thought that the book thing was like the most predictable part of this show. Like they literally would like hover like the book, just a shot of just the book for like five seconds when it had nothing to do with anything the first like five episodes. And I was like, there's obvious, like this book is part of the thing. Like it's what the clues are going to be in. Mm-hmm. Like obviously. So th- that was frustrating that it did end up being like so predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, at least like that component of it um I also um her whole like laissez-faire attitude about her alcoholism was annoying because the first couple episodes I thought she knew like Mm -hmm. especially when like her dad like in the flashbacks of her dad like he was also clearly an alcoholic so like I just thought she knew and was like yeah like I'm an alcoholic. I drink a lot. Or even if she wasn't saying it, calling it alcoholism, like, she, you know, the awareness that she had a dependency, um, mm-hmm. whether or not she like was ever going to do anything about it. But like, who the fuck like has to pour vodka in their coffee in the mornings? Like that is literally in, like when you're drinking on the job, like mm-hmm. how can you be so unaware that you have a dependency? I'm not even saying like a lot I of people think- are in denial. I yeah. totally agree. And like denial about even have, calling it a problem. But like. I think because she uh, saw her dad do it and she didn't think her dad had a problem. You know what I mean? I think it was like she had she had to come to terms with the fact that her dad was an alcoholic to come to terms with the fact that she was. Right? Like because if if she was yeah. then that her dad was and she had put her dad on such a pedestal that like in taking him off she would have to really evaluate everything that, you know, like. She couldn't just say, yeah, like, he was an alcoholic, but also really nice to Davey. Like, he was either right this, like, very nice man who, like, Davey just didn't get along with, or he was, like, a mean drunk. But I agree with you. Like, it, I thought she knew, too. Like, when she was stealing little bottles of liquor and right. not hiding it, I was like, so everyone knows. <laughs> and, 
And like, I was fine with it, right? It was so, that was the thing. She was so open about it. Like she did not hide it in any way. Even like when she wakes up in Annie's apartment, it's like the first day she's met Max, she's like whipped out the vodka bottle. Like immediately, like she drinks all the time in out in public. Like she has, she has her like tiny bottles, which also was um, honestly a funny gag, but. um, Oh yeah, the tiny bottle. Yeah, she's not super subtle about it. Like in any way. Um, but uh speaking of that though it was sort of weird to me that like she you know her brother calls her an alcoholic she has this like whole reaction to it she's in denial 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 and then she meets like a random italian grandma and like suddenly sees the light (laughs) (laughs) she had one conversation in italian with with that hot boy's mom grandma and boom she's like you're right (laughs) right i need to get sober i need help (laughs) I was like, God damn, they need to start a program. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not appreciate that the producers um, made me think that the sweet, hot Italian man died. <laughs> I did not like that. I was in complete anger panic for five minutes until we saw him do his little wave um, as they rolled him into the ambulance um that was very rude of them to do that to us um I definitely could have done without the way that they did the last three minutes of the show with that like super corny music it was like super upbeat and it was like you can do anything like blah 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 like as she's like you know reflecting on how much she's gotten her life together like, I was like, this is the corniest shit I have ever seen in my life. Like, I know this is campy, but like, this is, this like, is the next level, far. even yeah. for me. Right. It was just like, so, um, it was too much. Um, but okay. So I read a Vulture article, the Vulture art, a Vulture article about the show mm-hmm. and it lists all of Cassie's bad decisions and like gives them a value <laughs> like Dang. how bad it was um and let me tell you there are like seven bad choices per episode like it's <laughs> long like, it is a very long article um but okay but towards I, I guess this was in episode six um they say, okay, the show has made it clear that Cassie's drinking is compulsive and Cuoco plays that compulsion very empathetically and well. Although the decision to run off to Buckley and throw a hobby horse through a car window and then in parentheses, in quotes, symbolism, ever heard of it, still counts as very not good, especially since it lands Cassie in jail. So... What is the symbolism of them throwing a hobby horse through a car? Did you get that? No. You were an English major, though, so. I know. The symbolism of, like, the horse being trapped and being then damaged, I have no clue. I have no idea. There was the rabbits, and then obviously he had cats. Like, obviously, just the animal abuse, I guess, and, like, her love of animals and his hatred of animals. So, like, I guess maybe that would be a symbol. And, like, her and her dad killed the deer. 
Right. And, and their dad was in a car accident and there was a deer in the back of the car. No, I don't. Is get that question. where we're going with this? I don't really. Under, no, I don't know. I don't even think we saw. I, I think at that point when they throw that hobby horse through the windshield of that car or back windshield or whatever, I don't think they had even shown us the clip. Like the angle of the camera hadn't shown us in the flashback of her dad's death that there was the deer in the back of the car. I didn't realize until then that that had happened either the same day or like whatever. I thought they'd been deer hunting Mm -hmm. independently. And then also this other random day, her and her dad are drinking and driving and then he has the accident. But like, Or is it like they tried to free the horse and then ended up like throwing it back into something? I don't know. None of it made, I, I don't, I don't understand what the symbolism is here, which this article like makes me think I'm stupid for not seeing it. But um, listeners, if you know the symbolism know. between the hobby horse, please DM us or send us an email. And please we would love us. to. Please let us know. Please let us know. Um, I'm also really surprised that Buckley encouraged this and went along with it and let himself get arrested because knowing he's like a super spy criminal, this seems like what a dumb thing to do. Just a sociopath. I don't know if he's necessarily like, like, I think he's just like a hired hitman. Like, I don't think he's the brains behind any operation. I think they were like, stay close to this girl still, and kill her. And he was like, okay, cool. I can get laid a bunch first. Like she's fucking dumb. Like let's, you know what I mean? No, for sure. But as like a criminal, yes, because it seems like sort of a weird thing to have fallen into, right? Because he (laughs) could have stopped her a lot of times from figuring stuff out. I don't even mean all the other times. Literally, no, I know. I'm just saying. That's why, like, he wasn't like smart enough to be the brains behind any of this operation because he could have. No, he was. He did not realize how close she was to finding Miranda, and then that finding Miranda would expose him. Because Miranda knew who he oh, was. Sure. Yeah, for sure. That's all I've got. All right. So you want to pop into our highlight stats? Yeah, Do let's do. Um, That's so first. my favorite character is Miranda. Okay. Um, she was great. Really grew on me. Um, and then my favorite relationship was Annie and Max. And my favorite episode was either four or six I think although I did also enjoy the finale mm-hmm. um so yeah what about you so my favorite character was Annie but I did like all of them except for Megan and uh, Van White at uh, the FBI White I liked everybody else mm, yeah um favorite relationship was Max and Annie and I have one interaction from them they're right in the hospital and she he says so am I your like your boyfriend now and she mm-hmm. says, okay, you know what? It's just, I love you. Okay. Just, you need to calm down. You know, I'm not an entirely different person now and you're ruining a very cute moment. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, I love them. <laughs> I hope they're in season two. <laughs> and then my favorite episode was episode seven, Hitchcock Double, where Miranda and Cassie team up. They figure out that um, he is in fact Fila's and like everything kind of comes to a head before the big finale. Mm. Uh, so the thing that everybody waits for and, and you know, what, why we're here, uh, mm-hmm. what is your single best scene from the flight attendant? 
Okay, so my single bit scene actually is the beginning of episode seven, Hitchcock Double. It's the very first scene where Miranda has just bailed Cassie out of jail and then like corners her into this random warehouse type thing mm-hmm. or alleyway, I guess, because she thinks Cassie has the money and again, still thinks she's a spy. Then Cassie is having a mental breakdown and is like, I'm just flight attendant, <laughs> like yeah. tells her over and over. And then like mentions the thing about the computer and that they were both in it. And then Miranda just like pausing <laughs> and doing like all the math in her head and was like, oh my God, you really are just a flight attendant. And mm-hmm. Cassie goes, yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell <laughs> you. And Miranda goes, oh, we are so fucked. And just like <laughs> evil laughs and is like, oh my God. And Cassie is like, what the fuck just happened? I love this scene for so many reasons. One of them, the acting is amazing. Number two, I kind of suspected that Miranda was the person who bailed her out um, because she has literally no one else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and, and nobody else, she didn't still, call anybody. She wasted her one call on her brother and then yeah, apologized, which was call. nice. Yeah, but she should have also been like, can you like let someone know I'm in jail? Also, can you please help? Um, but it's fine. Miranda bails her out and the acting is just great. And it's like very dramatic. It was like, like we were kind of predicting that this would happen. Although I wasn't really predicting on Miranda then like immediately confronting her, which was interesting. Yeah. And then- the way she played Kaylee Miranda just... was so smart. Sorry, don't forget what you're saying. But the way oh. uh, Michelle Gomez, I think is her name, played Miranda was so smart because I didn't think she was the killer because it seemed too obvious, but I also knew she was evil. And so when mm-hmm. she did confront her and then believed her and like decided to work together, I was like, okay, okay, like I actually don't know her. I've just put like yep. Kaylee's and Alex's air quotes, Alex's judgment on her and she's also been acting really evil and like shady as shit so like yeah it's not wrong to think she was the murderer but it was that was the moment where you were like oh Miranda's like not the be- not who we're afraid of so like who are we afraid of yes yes exactly exactly um 100 and also just like I appreciated the like emotional change mm-hmm. <laughs> in the scene. Like it caught me off guard and it was so funny. And as soon as, you know, you know, she was like, oh, we're so fucked. I was like, oh, we, and I was like, okay, great. They're going to work together now, which is like what I kind of hoped would happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that is, that is my favorite scene. I think it's worth watching the show for. And I apologize <laughs> I interrupted you um, when you were going to say something about Kaylee in that scene. Was there something that she did that you? Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't. I mean, there's, she kept it together in that scene. There wasn't, I don't know if there was an escape moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there was like a brief one, but you know, she reaches for, or like, she is trying to save herself, which is also important. She sees the glass bottles and is like, kind of going to lunge for them. And then of course, Miranda's like, okay, those are bottles. This is a gun. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it was a little bit more like she was trying to get herself on even footing. Right. right. Which was key. But no, that's fine. What is yours? So mine is 
a very small moment, but I just thought it was acted beautifully and uh, I loved it so much. So right after Max gets hit by the car and Kaylee or Cassie is like doing CPR on him and freaking out and screaming, Annie's voicemail to him. Oh my gosh, I like lost it. I started crying. So she calls him and asks if they could just like watch a stupid movie and eat leftover pasta. Yeah, and he's like actually dead. And like he's laying on the bed. Oh my god, that explains. Oh my god, in my heartbreak scene, I said when Max almost died to save Cassidy and Annie's phone call. And I was like, she didn't call Annie. Mm-hmm. That is, that is okay. why it was her phone call to him. Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's, so we see the phone and then this is when I was really glad they had messed. I mean, obviously I thought it was a good device earlier, but they had messed with the split screen. Right. Cause then it like, didn't, it wasn't weird for the viewer for it to be like a zoom screen, like what we have, where it's like on one side of the screen, you see Kate, like Cassie screaming and like trying to bring him back and screaming for help and like acting her ass off. And then on the other mm-hmm. side, you see, um Annie just so subdued and like really loving this guy and knowing like that this is the moment for me the like climax of the show knowing that this has now affected everyone in Cassie's life Mm. and it's not just this insular thing that she thinks well nobody else is getting hurt right Mm -hmm. um and like that's what I was saying earlier like we knew that Max like we knew that the audience knew that Max threw himself in front of the car to protect Cassie but like I also was confident enough and that Annie wouldn't believe her that Annie would be like, mm-hmm. you got him killed doing this stupid shit. Like, I just thought the way both of them played that scene on, like, two different levels of sadness was, like, amazing and beautiful. And they're both great. And that was my, like, Zosha Mam, it needs to be an everything moment. So, <laughs> um, I loved it so much. And it, like, it, like, really heightened the stakes to make the audience want it to be solved even more. Because Max was, I think, um I haven't read any articles or anything where people like didn't like love Max you know what I mean like him and he was such a great foil for for both Annie and Cassie which is an interesting type of character like how could he be a foil to the like straight-laced criminal to first layer and like drunk pilot like drunk flight attendant right um but yeah that's my single best scene from this episode there is a little bit of news Mm. Okay. Um, it did get renewed for season two at HBO Max the morning after the season finale dropped because they did it like three episodes and then four episodes or something. I don't remember exactly how they released them, but um, I'm not exactly sure what season two will do, but they did confirm that they will stick to the format, like the dreamscape format. So I'm not sure if that means like Alex will come back or it'll be a different, I have no clue. I don't think there's another book in this series because um, this was again written based on a book, which I think in most books, like on normal people, when we were talking about it, we just like missed, completely missed what was going on in their heads. And so obviously they use the dreamscape to tell us what's going on in her head um, and move the story along. But yeah, so season two will be, will be here and well, people are like, well, come out in 2021 and I'm not optimistic it will, but because mm-hmm. I'm like, you have to write it, prep it, film it, COVID has to go away. It's not really optimistic so that it'll things. come out, but probably about this time next year, I would assume. Also, because right, like, I know this fair. season, they actually flew to Bangkok and they filmed in, like, they filmed in all of the places that they said they weren't just on a soundstage. Um, mm-hmm. And so because of that, I think they would probably want to do that for season two. And so I think they would just wait until there was no travel restrictions and 
Yeah. Um, Although again, said it before, we'll say it again. What a great time to film in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also, well, they filmed on location. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I liked that Kaylee, like it was interesting because Kaylee's obviously worked on Big Bang for 12 years or whatever. And so, Mm -hmm. and they made so much money each episode. Like that's my biggest gripe with Big Bang is like, how do I not know a single person who watched it? And they made a million dollars an episode. But I've always just liked her from probably from Eight Simple Rules and following her on Instagram and seeing that her and Zosha became like best friends and like got matching like little plain tattoos by like Winterstone or whoever does the celebrity tattoos. It was really nice to see her break out of Penny and that I could see her in something other than the Big Bang Theory because I do think Mm -hmm. she's going to be in more stuff and knowing that she doesn't annoy me and acting like in an acting sense was nice. (laughs) And probably in three too, being like, I don't love you and I don't have to like follow you on Instagram, but it is nice to know I can watch stuff you're in. Cause like she has a production company, like she bought the rights to this book and produced it and did all of it. So Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Um, Well, she's rich. So (laughs) yeah. A million dollars an episode. Um, So before we go, do you have a recommendation for our listeners this week? Yes. So my, keep into the theme, Little Murder Mystery. Mine is a book called The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Mm -hmm. And um, I read it at the beginning of quarantine. Apparently, actually, I was just Googling it to make sure I got the title right because it's so long. Um, It's by Stuart Turton and... I'm sure that's not how you say his last name because I guess he's English. How do English people pronounce the second T? I don't know. Um, But um, apparently Netflix is making it into a show. (laughs) Oh. I did not realize. Um, But yeah, it's going to be one of the... uh, Netflix announced it in a slate of UK originals that they're going to do. And this was announced in December of 2020. So maybe in the next couple of years. I don't know exactly what their timeline is. Um, this was the first I'd heard of it, but the book is really good. Um, I would definitely recommend the book. This is the blurb description that they provided. Um, that means absolutely nothing to me, but maybe it will mean something to you guys. Um, they say it's been described as Gosford Park meets Groundhog, Di- Groundhog Day by way of Agatha Christie in Black Mirror. So I don't, that doesn't mean, that book, but they I say it. that description is spot on. That means nothing to me. Um, I think it's like, when basically it's a murder mystery. Elite as like gossip girl meets how to get away with murder. On <laughs> yeah. It's like that, like, it's like, if yeah. you throw all, like all these references together. are just not mine. Yeah. 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 Um, um, but, but basically oh, it's like the, um, our narrator is, has like one day to figure out who kills Evelyn Hardcastle mm-hmm. and they're on this property like a uh, hunt like fancy hunt English hunting lodge or Fr- I always thought it was French but or like kind of ambiguous place where it's like there's a there's a map like in the book where it's like you know this is like it's re- rectangular property and there's this big like fancy manor castle thing where everyone is and then there's a stable ha- and uh groundskeeper's house and a pond and a forest and you know these typical like countryside things and at the end of the night Evelyn is killed 
and there's a big party, of course. So I'm sure the show is going to be like so expensive and glamorous, <laughs> but there's all these characters. It's a lot like Clue, but then uh, every or every time either he gets killed or it's the end of the day. I can't remember exactly what the deal was with that, but like whenever he wakes up, he's a different person. A different character at the party. Yeah, the yeah. Plot. I have that book. Yeah. Um, on my list. So then he's like, suddenly from somebody else's perspective and that person's day he's like he's on their track like he's trying to fight the track but he's also like still has to do all the things that that person has to do Mm -hmm. I don't know it's like really interesting and because he's an entirely new person the groundhog dayness of it didn't bother me at all because sometimes it's like a not even it feels like a not even related day that like he's now having versus the day he was having before and Every time he wakes up, he's someone new, which not to spoil anything, but that does mean he starts jumping around more because like if he gets punched in the head and gets like knocked unconscious in the middle of the day as one person, Mm -hmm. he will wake up like where he left off in like another person's timeline. It gets a little confusing, but it's very good. So that's my recommendation. Yeah, Long-winded as usual. What's your (laughs) rec? Um, my rec is also a book. It's called Long Bright River. It's about a police officer in Philadelphia who is working the streets for for opioid addiction, and her sister is out on the streets. And there's a murder. There's like a serial killer or a murder, whatever. Women keep turning up dead, and she can't find her sister. And so it's her trying to solve this while also telling kind of how her she became a cop and her sister became addicted and and living on the streets. So. It was a pretty dark read, but easy. Like it was a heavy read, but one that really easy. And it's mm-hmm. yeah, Long Bright River by Liz Moore. All right. Well, thanks so much for, for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to follow us on all the things and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please. All right. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.